You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is happening? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Tremendous. As always, you guys know the deal. I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to remind you guys that NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now that we got that out of the way, welcome to your final episode this week of the Locked On Rams podcast. This is going to be your Friday episode, of course. It is the last one of the week, and you know that on Fridays, we like to host our Mailbag Friday, and that is what we're going to do today. You guys, as always, shot over some good questions. I felt like a lot of them were related to the wide receiver core, and I think that's a really good thing because we have to talk about it. I think it's one of the most important factors when it comes to the Rams and their team this season, how they're going to distribute those snaps and the development and all that stuff. I think it's very fascinating to talk about. So I appreciate you guys for shooting over the questions and we're going to kind of just go through them at random and begin at the top. And the first one is from at LA Ramsey 46. He said with Raheem Morris and the Falcons blowing multiple leads, including one to Matthew Stafford, does this concern you for how he will lead this defense this upcoming season? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm concerned But I do think there is some level of uncertainty with me, at least on my end. Now, Raheem Morris, I think, is a really good leader, seems to be like a really good guy. I think, you know, when it comes to his communication skills, the way he carries himself, the way he talks, those are the things that really, really make him him, I guess, right? That's the kind of stuff that I think separates him from most other coaches. Now, when it comes to the Falcons' performance last year when he was the D coordinator slash interim head coach... You know, there were multiple leads that were blown. Like you mentioned, the Matthew Stafford one, obviously the Detroit Lions had the ball with like, I want to say maybe two minutes left in the game and Stafford drove them all the way down the field. And I believe he threw a touchdown to TJ Hawkinson. It was to win that game. So a lot of blown leads and that is obviously very concerning. But when you look at the personnel that they had on that side of the ball compared to what the Rams have on the defensive side of the ball, it's just something that doesn't concern me that much. The Falcons were missing a little bit of Deion Jones. I want to say he was injured for some of last year, if not the entirety of last year, one of the best linebackers in football. They don't really have that edge presence like Leonard Floyd. Dante Fowler put together a terrible year. Grady Jarrett, very good player, but he is not in the same world as Aaron Donald. Obviously on the back end, their secondary was very, very suspect. They do not have a Jalen Ramsey, a Darius Williams, all these other names. I think the Rams are still set up for success. Now, is it fair to expect somewhat of a step back? Yeah, I do think so because they were the number one defense pretty much in every single category last season. And I don't think we talk about enough just how good that defense was. They weren't just good. They were great and they weren't just great. They were one of the best defenses you know, of the past decade. So can they do that again? I do think it's possible. Will they do it again? Probably not. It's just so hard to repeat in this day and age when offenses are so explosive. Do I think they could put together another top 10 performance on the defensive side of the ball this season? I do. So, you know, there is some uncertainty there, but I am excited to see what Raheem Morris can do. But at the same time, I am also expecting a slight drop off in play, maybe going from Staley to Morris. The next one is from at Will Carella. 
He said, what do you think the snap count distribution will look like between Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, and Tutu Atwell? And man, I really wish I had the answer for this one because in my opinion, this might be the most interesting thing to look at when it comes to this team going into OTAs, training camp, preseason, and then obviously the regular season too. How are they going to divvy up the snaps at receiver? Man, I got no idea. I don't even think Sean McVay and company, you know, Eric Yarber, the wide receiver coach, really know either. You know, that's just how deep they are. Obviously, you have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They should play pretty much every snap. After them is where the rotation starts. And I think, you know, Deshaun Jackson might see probably 40% of the snaps. He's going to play that deep role where, you know, they're going to let him run a lot of those deep routes, a lot of the deep overs, the posts, try and take the top off the defense. And then, you know, mix and match with him and Van Jefferson. I think those are going to be the two more traditional receivers. And I would say they're going to divvy up the time like 40%, 40%, maybe 45 and 45. And, you know, Tutu Atwell gets that last 10% or 20%, depending on if you want to divide it by 40, 40, 20, or 45, 45, 10. I think 45, 45, 10 probably makes a lot of sense. You get a lot of Deshaun Jackson out there. He's going to obviously bring that speed element that the wide receiver core does not have that the rest of your receivers or really the rest of your offense, nobody brings that. So you obviously want to get him plenty of snaps, but at the same time, you want to scale them back enough to where you can have him last 17 games. And obviously they're going to try and play in the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you want to really try and make him last for 19, 20, 21 games. And, um, you know, looking back at the last few years, not been very good when it comes to the injury stuff. So scaling back his snaps, keeping him in that 40 to 45% range, I think it makes a lot of sense. You look at Van Jefferson after him, he's very similar to Robert Woods, in my opinion. And those guys, you probably don't want to run him and Cup and Woods out there a ton. But at the same time, I do think that he has some ability to work vertical. And he's just so good in all the little details when it comes to playing wide receiver that you still want to get him plenty of run. And so I do think he's going to see 40 to 45% like Jackson will. And then Atwell coming in at third, 10 to 20%. I think the Rams are going to try to get him some specialty design packages, that jet sweep stuff, a couple of screens, of course, you know, a few deep overs, maybe a few deep shots all season, but I don't really expect him to play that prototypical, you know, basic wide receiver role. I think it's going to be a lot more gadget-like, a lot more specialty purposely designed plays for Tutu Atwell and then maybe a few plays where he's just kind of running as a decoy and you know I think that's really going to be his impact this season which is unfortunate because he's so explosive you want to see a lot of him and the rookies are always fun to watch but the Rams are really really set with their top four wide receivers and you know barring any injuries I'm not sure they can find enough time for Tutu Atwell to really make a big impact in this season but like I've mentioned on these podcasts, you know, the past few weeks since the draft, I think Atwell's contribution to the offense is going to be so much more significant than what his statistics will likely dictate at the end of the season. He might have 300 total yards, but when it comes to the ability of coming around on those jet sweeps, realigning the front seven of defenses, helping the running game, obviously creating after the catch. I think those things are all going to be super important as well as the decoy aspect, running deep and opening up the underneath areas for guys like Woods and Coppin, obviously, you know, the rest of the team, I think that stuff is going to be, you know, where his legit value will lie, at least in his rookie season. And that does do it for this segment. We're going to pick right back up where we left off talking about more wide receiver stuff, as well as some offensive concepts going into the next segment. 
And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP, and you can find the page at Locked On Rams. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action as the NBA playoffs kicks off and the NHL playoffs have already kicked off. And you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's BetOnline.ag. Welcome back to the second segment of this Mailbag Friday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for shooting over these solid questions, always keeping me on my toes, always making this job fun, and we're going to pick right back up where we left off. Ironically enough, more wide receiver questions. I love it, man. I swear I could dedicate like a whole week's worth of episodes just to this receiver position. So the more questions you guys send me on this stuff, the more I learn. I feel like the more we all learn together, and you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what we think going into this season is going to be the case for the wide receivers and what actually ends up happening. So going to be one of the more interesting storylines like we've talked about the last few episodes. Now, this question is from at Fats39. My man Adam said, what do you see for Van Jefferson in year two? He was coming on late last season, and I know Tutu Atwell is a different type of player, but there's only one ball, and that's kind of the concern, right? There's only one ball. Not that many targets are going to be available for pretty much everyone. I mean, we haven't even discussed the tight end spot or the running backs coming out of the backfield, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, however many passes they may catch, however many times they may be targeted. But talking about Van Jefferson specifically, like you said, ended off the season on a very high note. He goes into Green Bay as a starting wide receiver. I believe it was Cooper Cup who missed that game due to injury. And Van Jefferson was the go-to guy in that game for Jared Goff. I mean, he looked ready, not too big of a moment for him as a rookie, which is obviously a very impressive thing. And when you look at, you know, his scouting profile, I guess, coming out of college, he was known to be a guy that was pro ready in terms of his release package coming off the line of scrimmage, his detailed route running ability, and the little stuff that he does very, very well, like the head and shoulder fakes and the hip fakes, really being able to open up his hips and turn cornerbacks into the position and into the leverage that he wants them in to set up his routes. And that's the stuff that he really displayed last season, obviously, you know, to a much smaller degree because he just didn't play that much. But going into the season, I think, like I said in the last segment, expect him to see somewhere between 40 to 45% of the snaps. That might be a little bit rich, but I do think he earned it. I mean, he's a very good player. And in terms of what his role will be, I think it's going to be sort of varied, but I do expect, you know, a handful of deep shots, but a lot more of that intermediate to short route kind of stuff, the five to 12 to 13 yard range where the Rams are going to go his way when they need to convert first downs move the chains, find a guy that's very sure-handed. I think he could be a very valuable player in the red zone because he's so good at creating separation and he does it very quickly. And not only that, but he's got a great set of hands and he does have a pretty good frame in terms of size too. So I expect him to be a player on those third and immediate situations or third and long, even when you're talking about third and seven, things like that, as well as you know a red zone threat. I do think he should be involved in some of those packages down there going to offer you as an offense a lot more than Deshaun Jackson or probably Tutu Atwell would when it comes to the red zone. So 
I expect him to take a step forward. Maybe not going to be the best statistical season because the opportunities just might not be there. But at the end of the day, I think we're looking at a guy that's basically Robert Woods, very similar to that, just obviously a handful of years younger. The next one is from at Assorted Goods PC, and this is a great question. He said, what kind of offensive concepts do you expect to see more of with the new additions to the offense this year? I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Now, you know, the basic thing is I think they're just going to become much more vertical, and I think they're going to be way more incessant on actually pushing the ball deep and I don't know for whatever reason it was last year. They just really didn't do that often. You don't even need to complete those passes. It's really just being willing to push the ball deep. Now, I think Stafford gives you a lot of flexibility, just like Jared Goff did. You know, he's comfortable going under center. He can still play those under center formations, those prototypical pro formations that people would call them. I form all that kind of stuff, which is going to help you, you know, develop your run game. And then obviously the play action off of that. But at the same time, Matthew Stafford has played a ton in shotgun, whether that's five wide with nobody in the backfield with him or even a running back in the backfield. And I mean, the guy's seen it all. He's done it for 12 years. Now, in terms of what the Rams can do, I think they're going to do a lot of stuff working vertical. Like I said, Deshaun Jackson, I'm expecting to see him run deep a lot of the times and whether that is as a player that's going to be targeted or not, if he's not targeted, he's going to open up the underneath routes for guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So I do think the Rams are going to sort of stray a little bit closer towards that 2018 style of offense where it's going to be a lot of clear out routes, a lot of you know deep overs, a lot of things like that. High percentage throws for Matthew Stafford who can hit his weapons in stride and allow those guys to create yardage after the catch. But at the same time, I do think he's going to push it deep. They're going to try to create those yards deep, a lot of those explosive plays. And at the end of the day, I think they're going to walk away from this season with a lot more, you know, 30, 40, 50 yard plays or 40 yard touchdowns than they had in 2020 and 2019. The next one is from at underscore Irv, 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 Julio, question mark. (laughs) We talked about this on yesterday's podcast. And oddly enough, Peter Schrager again went back to Cam DeSilva's tweet. He mentioned it yesterday after Cam wrote up a piece on, you know, the suggestion that Peter Schrager had for the Rams going after Julio. And he obviously responded to it yesterday. But again, he responded to it today as a quote tweet. So kind of looking a little fishy in terms of maybe where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, you know, I just don't know how they make it happen in terms of the picks that they need to trade in terms of freeing up the money that they need to pay Julio. And then maybe the most difficult situation is, well, we talked about the receivers a lot this episode, five of them that are quality players that they're all going to try to find roles for and playing time for. Where does Julio fit into that equation? I have no idea. I just don't think it's a very realistic expectation to be quite honest with you would I like to see it yeah absolutely I think the guy is great but at the same time you know I just don't know how they could possibly fit him into this offense unless they have some secret plans to get rid of somebody else and I really don't think that they're scheming that I think they're extremely excited with who they have on that side of the ball the personnel and they crafted it the way they wanted and I think they're ready to go into this season with the names that they have expecting to put up a very good offensive season with those receivers that they already have in tow in addition to having a new quarterback in Matthew Stafford. That is going to do it for this segment. In the final segment, we're going to dive into the final few questions. We've got a couple of fun ones talking about car salesmen when it comes to Sean McVay and Les Snead, as well as a final few questions about the offensive line. And while we've got you, make sure to check back in with us next week here at the Locked on Rams podcast. We're going to continue our off-season coverage for the Los Angeles Rams all off-season long. 
Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Steph Curry wasn't enough for the Warriors against the Lakers. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this mailbag episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for listening and making it this far into the episode and for shooting over some good questions. We're going to dive right back into where we left off. And it feels like the wide receiver questions are never ending in this episode. And this one is from at blind underscore MF. I'd like to discuss the future outlook of our receiving group, kind of along those same lines that we talked about. How long do they plan to keep Woods and Cup in the fold, given their contract situations and Van Jefferson's development? That is a really, really interesting question. Now, looking at the basic, I guess, you know, numbers in terms of the salary cap here, doesn't look very likely that Cooper Cup is going to be gone anytime soon or Robert Woods. They can't really cut them prior to the offseason here, obviously coming up in a year. You talk about trading them, doesn't really save any money. They're going to have a lot of dead money trying to trade either of those players. So doesn't seem likely now. Talking about 2022, I think it's a little bit more realistic. Obviously, Robert Woods, you would have $8.6 million in dead money, but you would save $7.1 million in the event of a trade. Talking about Cooper Cup, $12.2 million in dead, $6.1 million in saved. So 2022, maybe not that realistic either. When you look at 2023, I think that's when things really start to clear up a little bit here. Robert Woods, you eat $6.4 million of dead money, clear $9.55 million in terms of Cooper Cup, $8.4 million in dead, $9.65 in savings. So clearly, the Rams invested in these guys knowing that they want to keep them around for 2021, 2022, probably even 2023, to be honest with you, and deservedly so. They're great players. Now, what does that mean for them? I don't know. I mean, the Rams have been happy to eat a lot of dead money to trade players. You know, we look at Brandon Cooks, obviously. You look at Jared Goff now. Tavon Austin, they cut, I believe, or traded. I can't recall, but a lot of dead money on his contract, a lot of dead money on the Todd Gurley contract. So maybe they plan on getting rid of them prior to when they should, at least when the financials would suggest it, especially if Van Jefferson does develop quicker, like you said, than expected. But at the same time, if we look forward in one year, Deshaun Jackson on a one-year contract, he's probably going to be gone, maybe retired. Tutu Atwell, do they actually view him as a receiver that can play 60 snaps a game, or do they just look at him as sort of like that cherry on top, you know, big play kind of guy? Not sure. I think we'll find that out this year. And if they do view him as just a gadget style player, and Deshaun Jackson is gone in a year, well, that really only leaves you with three receivers still, which is obviously Woods, Cup, and Jefferson. And in that case, I mean, I could legitimately see those guys coexisting for a few years. So really is going to depend, like you said, on Jefferson's development. But at the same time, maybe they just view their wide receiver core as one that they can keep together for three, four years down the line. And if they do look at it like that in terms of letting Jackson go after this year, keeping Atwell as just a rotational gadget style guy, then I could see a situation where those guys are stuck together for you know the foreseeable future. The next one is from at Immortal Human 5. What changes do you think Kevin Carberry is going to make to the offensive line? Well, we have the confirmed changes of Austin Corbett going from right guard to center and Bobby Evans taking over his job at right guard, which is obviously vacated. So there is that change, and I think that's going to be interesting. Now, in terms of the actual schematics and not the personnel, I think there could be one thing that's going to be a relatively big change, and I think we've seen it a little bit last season, and I talked about it on the podcast. With Daryl Henderson in the backfield, the Rams ran a lot of zone 
concepts, which is what they've done from 2017 through 2019. That's when Todd Gurley was at his best and all that kind of stuff. But with Cam Akers in the backfield, it was a lot more even in terms of the zone scheme running as well as the gap or power or man scheme running, which is, you know, really interchangeable, just the different words there. I think they're going to really trend towards more power gap scheme type running. I don't know if they just view K-Makers better in that scenario or if they like his vision better in that way. I'm not really sure or whether they think their offensive line is just more equipped to actually be power blockers as opposed to, you know, guys in zone. They're going to move a lot more and just be more nimble. I'm not certain, but, you know, moving Corbett to center, he's obviously a bigger guy. Now you plug in Bobby Evans at right guard. To me, that suggests you're probably going to go a little bit more power and they did do that with K-Makers in the backfield last year. And K-Makers is obviously going to be the running back one, the starter this season. And, you know, if they continue that trend, well, K-Makers is probably going to carry the ball a lot this season. I'm guessing over 200 times. And if that is the case and the offensive line does trend towards, you know, that more gap-like concept, then I could definitely see that being the case. I'm thinking that it might be the case, but I don't know how he did it at Stanford. It would probably be worth looking back at. But I do think that that is one of the schematics that they could change going into the season among the personnel changes that we've already seen. The next one is from at RamFanAshton1. Your guess on who will be the standouts from the preseason games. My guess is Harris and Garrett. I'm guessing Jacob Harris and Chris Garrett. That's a really good question. And I actually like your answers. They make sense. In terms of who I think could stand out. Well, I mean, I think John Wolford is going to look really good to be quite honest with you. Um... I've always been a huge fan of his, obviously, if you guys have listened to the podcast. And not only that, but I think his mobility and all his creativity could help in the event of a preseason game, unless the Rams don't let him play a lot of snaps, but I think they should. If we're looking at maybe some of the wide receivers, man, I'm excited to see what Tutu Atwell can do. I don't know how much run he's necessarily going to get, but I could definitely think or foresee him being a very productive player in the preseason. I think a running back to look out for, Xavier Jones, the running back three for the Rams right now. He could get some run in that scenario. If he does, I think he could be a productive player. And then flipping on the other side of the ball, on the defense, I'm looking at Robert Rochelle, the fourth round corner, the rookie. I want to see how he plays. I would love to see him get a lot of run because I don't think they're going to be counting on him as a starter this season anyways. So you may as well let him play a lot. And undrafted free agent Bronte Harris, I want to see how he can stack up. Maybe, you know, be a guy that they stash on the practice squad or at the very end of the roster. Going to be interesting to see how these guys play. And I'm always super hyped to see somebody prove themselves in the preseason because it feels like every preseason, somebody's coming out of nowhere and a star feels like they're born, whether that be on the Rams or somebody else. It's always fun to watch these guys really make their dreams come true. The next one is from at Big Twin Chase. Do you think Bryson Hopkins makes an impact this year? I do, but like Atwell, I just don't think it's going to be a huge statistical one. I'm not sure what kind of you know, target share he's going to be in line for. I'm not really looking forward to, you know, him being targeted as much as Gerald Everett was this past season, which was over 45 times. I don't think Hopkins sees that kind of a target share. It might be something like 20 to 25 times is my guess, depending on, you know, how often the Rams run out two tight end sets and all that stuff. I'm expecting more 11 personnel as opposed to 12 personnel. So more three receiver sets and even more than that, as opposed to, you know, that traditional two tight ends, two receivers type of set. So I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen. I'm not really sure in terms of what he can do. You know, I think he's a pretty decent player. I think he can make plays in the middle of the field. He's a pretty athletic player. He could be a guy that's used in the red zone. 
I'm excited to see if he's developed at all, if there's anything there. But at the same time, like Atwell, there's only so many balls to go around. I just can't see him being a huge factor. But I do think at the end of the day, he should flash at some point because the Rams have always had two tight ends be you know, relatively included, at least going back to 2017 when they've had Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. The last question of the day is my guy JB trying to stump me. He said, in an alternate universe, Sean McVay and Les Snead don't pursue careers in football. Who would be the better car salesman? And JB, I told you, you usually stump me. These are usually tough, but I feel like this one's a little bit easier. I'm going to go with Sean McVay. The dude is a smooth talker. He is so media trained. We know that. The guy is just really, really good at never slipping up when it comes to his words. So good at always putting the blame on himself, never really throwing anyone under the bus, you know, up until recently, which was really weird to be quite honest with you, but sweet talker. The guy's obviously, you know, he's a pretty good looking guy. I feel like Sean McVay, pretty convincing. He could be a very good car salesman if that's what he wanted to do. Probably sell BMWs or something like that. In terms of less need, he might drop a few too many let's call it for me. And I feel like he dances around his points a lot. He always throws in a lot of jargon and weird analogies where you're like, man, what? But at the same time, I think he is from the South and he just comes up with those random sayings. So this one for me is a little bit simpler than yours usually are, JB. I'm going to go with Sean McVay. I'll buy a BMW for my guy. That's definitely what he's selling. You could just see it in his eyes. The guy likes luxury. He's a man of luxury. You look at uh, that Malibu house. I think that might have been a Sean McVay-inspired idea. That is all we got for this episode of the Mailbag Friday it was nice to finish on a lighter note. Sean McVay, if you're trying to sell a BMW, hit me up, my man. Uh, joking aside, as always, I appreciate you guys for shooting over good questions. Like always, always very fun to answer these and get to kind of interact with you guys. It's always good. Make sure to check back next week. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff, a lot of segments. My man Brad Motter is going to come back on. And we are going to take a look at ESPN's Mike Clay's projections. He finally dropped his for the 2021 season. We're going to dive in depth into those for what he has in store for the Rams. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter, at QB's MVP and at LockedOnRams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. 